This is a Toolkit for Life, and I'm your host, Hannah. Join me as we explore the language our body speaks. Feel what arises and let it run through us. Find our inner light and let it beam. No BS, simple, actionable tools for your journey. It's you and me. Let's do this. Hi, so I'm here with Laura. She is the owner of Inhale in Del Mar, and she is also one of the people doing, in my opinion, the most when it comes to really the function of the body and the injury part of it and really focusing on the alignment. So let me get started with... Hi, Laura. (laughs) Hi, Hannah. (laughs) Let me get started with why injury prevention? Great question. Um, The reason why I'm so passionate about injury prevention as it relates to yoga asana is because the exploration and my dedication to my own personal practice is what created some pretty significant and devastating injuries in my own body. And through the course of um, identifying those injuries, getting a proper diagnosis, seeking treatment, and now being in the process of recovery, I feel like I'm being called and being compelled to share what I've learned through my own body, through the um, discourse with my surgeons and biomechanical experts in the know who are silently but continually putting out the message that yoga is awesome, but also can be uh, in, you know, injury causing in the body. And so, um, my role right now is to get that message out that you can get injured in yoga, but you don't have to. And, uh, there's a pretty easy prescription for how not to get injured in yoga. Tell us more about that prescription. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, I'm very much of the school of thought right now that it's not so much about the shape of the pose. It's more about the fact that you're moving at all. Um, I've been studying some of the work of a lot of uh, really prominent biomechanic experts, but also been inspired by one woman in particular. Her name is Katie Bowman. And, um, you know, her whole premise has been just move your body. Mm -hmm. And the reason that we're not fit or not happy is that we just don't move our body enough as it's meant to be moved. So if you kind of distill down the movements that we need to be making as humans to keep our body and our joints healthy for the long term, right? We're talking about into our golden years, not just like looking good in an Instagram photo. Um, (laughs) We need to be, you know, stepping, lunging, squatting, pushing, pulling, hinging at the hips and twisting. And yoga certainly comprises many of those motions, but it's definitely lacking some of them. So um, with the ability to kind of give your students the or, you know, giving them the permission to explore multi-planar movements that um, experience some of these missing things like pulling, Um, then you give them the ability to access strength that the body needs. So the first thing is like implementing the movements that are missing for the prescription. The second thing is muscular engagement. I think that I missed this point, which is really interesting to me, having been a scientist Mm -hmm. and then, you know, a, a personal physical trainer Uh, and someone who's always been so like so much of an anatomy geek is that when I went into the practice of yoga, all I could think about was, you know, just pulling my body apart, getting more open, getting more flexible. I mean, think about the language we even use around the poses, right? 
hip openers, shoulder openers, um, and and many of the illustrative languaging that some of the more brilliant poetic teachers use also includes this this evocation or this invitation to just spread open, like backbending, backbending, and exposing the heart and open to grace and all of these things, right? Lovely metaphors and. The problem with that is that there's not an emphasis on when you're done opening yourself up, putting yourself back together. Mm -hmm. So for example, uh, you know, one of the most overused cues that I've heard in warrior two is like, pull your feet apart. Like you want to split your mat in half. Well, yes. And perhaps don't go down into the end range of your lunge quite so much. And then squeeze your feet towards each other as though you wanted to scrunch the mat to the middle. So it's kind of the opposite, right? Right. Um, and, you know, Anyasara, I feel like, got it right in the terms of, like, you know, this extension plus organic energy, right? But it's missing in a lot of um, a lot of yoga classes that I've experienced with teachers. For instance, like the lack of glute activation, you know? Mm-hmm. You, never, you never hear a teacher, well, now it's coming to the forefront as a pendulum swing, but you don't hear teachers talking about use your glutes, right? Yeah. Even I tell people, squeeze your buns when you walk, and they're, like, horrified, but then when they do... <laughs> They're like, wow, I can get places faster and my back feels better. My low back isn't hurting. And that's the point, really, right? Yeah. Um, I'm 51 years old and I, I was a pose collector during my yoga practice and I definitely have been extreme when it comes to my physical exertion. I used to run marathons and ultra marathons so uh-huh. like you can get the fact that like I beat my body up and now I'm in this place of like, well, what is it really for? And the, the reason to keep your body fit is so that you can pick up your grandkids maybe, you know, yeah, or whatever it is, reach up on a shelf. So, um, I've been slowing it down and I've been t- telling people the prescription is in the practice, look for a teacher that's giving you multiplayer movements and squeeze your muscles, engage your muscles, especially the hip muscles. So are you thinking more about, is this interdisciplinary or, or is it within the yoga realm? Like, yeah. can you get this in the yoga world or? Great question. So I, you know, uh, I've been fortunate to have a pretty lucrative experience teaching yoga in a private realm because a lot of clients have come to me through getting injuries either in, you know, CrossFit or yoga. And, you know, even my orthopedic surgeon said to me jokingly, Laura, if I had to tell a burgeoning, um, yoga or CrossFit studio owner where to put their studio, I would say to put it in a strip mall because, right. and next to each other, because yeah. that's where people are going now. They're going to yoga and they're going to CrossFit. And both of these disciplines are on the extreme side of life. One is doing as many reps as possible with weights, body weight resistance. So blowing out things. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is pulling yourself apart as much as possible. But there's no in between. And so what you need, Laura, he said, is like a practice that brings both together. Yeah. And um, I really listened to him when he said that. So it's a great question. Yeah, people are getting injured in, in many dis- disciplines, but the number of yoga injuries is definitely on the rise, in particular in women and in particular in the hips, specifically structural, which is what I had, which is, you know, labral tears. Yeah. Um, and the issue with labral tears is they don't heal. <laughs> Yeah. Right? It's not like when you hurt a muscle. They just get worse and worse. It's worse, worse and worse. And so it's pretty much this analogy of the reason you have a labrum inside of your hip is to create this sliding motion between your joints. 
And once you have a tear in there, it can't slide anymore. So um, can I just tell you how difficult it is to wake up and realize that you can't walk without pain every day? Yeah. And to think that that's because, you, you know, you've done too much yoga. That was devastating for me to hear. Really devastating. Yeah. I have a labral tear as well in my hip. Wow. So, so I can really relate to everything that you say and everything that you talk is because it is very devastating to feel that you're taking care of your body. And for me, it was Pilates and it was kind of mm. going into it and going really strong. And I think it's, it's that. It's like with the attitude that we go towards what we're trying to achieve. It's like we're not really there to achieve something in the future. We're there to achieve something in the present. Like we want to look fit or we want to get right. this or we right. want to get that. That's a really important point. So definitely intention. And yes, as you said, I think that at least I'm going to take responsibility for my own body that I did push too hard. Yes. And the thing that is glossed over when we have these conversations that I hear with the pushback, especially with yoga professionals, is that, well, it's your own fault. Kind of not really, because had I more information about what my structural anatomy looked like, I probably wouldn't have tried some of the poses that were contraindicated for me. So my orthopedic surgeon, like he's really working on this right now. Like he thinks that he has, he can put people into different bins, like three different bins and say, you know, you, you shouldn't do these movements or those movements to, to save your hips. And I think that's fine, but the issue is like, you know, I as a yoga teacher, I don't have x-ray eyes. I can't look at you and say, I don't even, I mean, you just told me you have a labral tear and you're sitting pretty comfortably here with me. I can't tell if it's your right or your left. And maybe if you started moving around, I could sort of tell if your femurs are retroverted or antiverted, but like yeah. not really, right? So there's a lot of intricacies, especially in the hip joint, and um, we can't see that. We can't see through the, the you know, the muscles and the tendons. So this level of caution really should be alerted to everyone who's teaching yoga right now in that um, end range motions and, and specifically end range external rotation and flexion of the hips is very dangerous for most people. Yeah. Most people will suffer femoral acetabular impingement at, in those poses. And I don't know that a lot of teachers even know what FAI is, right? So yeah. Uh, that's why I'm kind of out there waving this flag right now. Like, let's let's get this movement of, um, you know, which is kind of what yoga really was meant to be, right? It's this mindful, thoughtful practice of stepping into the inquiry of my body and like, hey, if this pose doesn't feel good, maybe it's because it's not meant for me. Yeah. So you think it's a little bit less about not going as deep and not pushing as hard Absolutely. when it comes to, for, for us that we're like, like in a mat? Yeah. Like that's the, yeah. That's a, yeah. That's the tool. I love that you said that. And yes, I'm going to say wholeheartedly hundred percent. And I still see that, see it in some of my students where, you know, I'll say, well, I'll take, for example, people into half splits mm -hmm. and even before I even give the option, or even if I think that anyone would be ready to go into full Hanumanasana, there they are, you know? Um, so it is this principle that Eric Schiffman talked about long ago in his first book, which was, I think, called Moving into Stillness or something like that, which is like, consider the practice like you're moving down a path with multiple garden gates, right? Mm -hmm. And you, you have to like slow down and open that first gate so that you can savor what's next on the path. And then there's a process of getting through another gate and another gate to get to the destination. Maybe the destination is never, right? But I love that metaphor and that analogy because it creates this um, differential 
that isn't really present in our community right now because we, we love our hot yoga, we love our power yoga, right? To like slow down and feel the 10% and the 20 and the 30 and the 40 and the 50, you know, yeah. and not go to 90. And that's where I think the real work is. It's really difficult to yeah. be patient like that. Yeah, it's more, it's less about the gross and more about the subtle movements and about the subtlety that it has to it, right? Well said. Yeah. Yeah. And just, this is just my own question, but what do you think about a Yengar yoga? Um, it's a great question. I, I have such respect for the practice of a Yengar yoga and especially for Mr. Yengar himself. Um, and certainly I use a lot of principles that he brought to the table where I think I would like to see a little bit more emphasis or less emphasis placed on the younger style is this notion that we are right angles, you know, like the, this mandate of hip and knee and ankle and the right ankle, right the angle, alignment, the alignment, or, you know, holding a bar behind someone's pelvis when they're in a lunge to make sure that their hips are square and level. Um, the fact of the matter is that, you know, much like everything else in nature, we are spirals, right? We're this kind of one long muscle encased in this big myofascial bag that's twisted up like some kind of a weird balloon animal. Yeah. Um, so trying to conform to this linearity is really, really weird to like for me to now contemplate, even though it seemed nice because it was, it's clean, right? And as a scientist, it was like full of rules and it's clean and it yeah. looks nice and it, it looks great on Instagram, but it turns out it doesn't feel so good in my body. Right. Mm -hmm. So I love it. And it's, you know, something that I modify. So a lot of people think that, you know, my rope wall classes are a little bit, I anger like, and they're definitely inspired and influenced by that style, but it's, it's a little bit more aware of what's present in movement science right now. Okay. Yeah. And then when it comes to, so going back to our own mat, to our own practice, when it comes to certain poses that we shouldn't get into, <laughs> what's the best way? Like, what's the best red light towards it? Like, is there any? Mm, yeah. Well, pain, certainly. Right. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm hesitant to even say like, there's a list of poses that I don't advocate across the board because it really is a kind of a personal case by case thing. Mm. Um, But pain is definitely a sign that you should not do the pose or even discomfort or this, like a limitation. So Bernie Clark talks about this in his book, Your Body, Your Yoga, which if people are listening to this, I highly recommend. Um, know wh where you're being limited. I mean, there's a difference between being limited muscularly versus being limited because you have muscle to bone compression or even bone to bone compression. And so kind of educating yourself about what those limits feel like and then saying, okay, what's limiting me in the body can be life-saving. So for example, when I was feeling impingement, which was bone on bone impingement in the mm -hmm. front of my hips in deep lunges or in pigeon pose, for example, or in Varasana, I had teachers tell me on the left side in particular, like just do more of it and the muscles will open up and it will let go, but it will never let go because it was always bone on bone. Right. Yeah. There was nothing to let go. From. Right. So I think a little bit of education is necessary, you know, as is true for anything that you do in life. Yeah. Um, and then, um, being really like in this place of, again, slowing down, feeling the gate. So you can be like, ah, oh, what is that? Is that a, like, is that my rib cage or is that muscle? You know? Yeah. 
Yeah. It's the self-exploration. It's exactly. And that's really the point of the practice, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Anything else? Anything else that you would like to kind of recommend? Anything? Any no. other step that we can take to bring more awareness into our practice and to bring more awareness into even our teachers, right? Like the people that we're going to. Like, is there... A, do you recommend, like, how do we look for the right teacher? Wow, that's a really great question. I think I'm a real fan of being a yoga gypsy and just checking out multiple studios and multiple lenses and trying on different teachers. Because I think there is ultimately... Um, even there are some very well educated teachers out there that you know sometimes I don't even resonate with so I think there is like a personal preference in yoga that exists versus maybe if it were just another fitness class yeah but having said that I think that there's enough data now out there that indicates that yoga can be uh, can be a, a practice that could cause an injury in one's body so I think it is important to to, to take classes from people who have studied, not just from the, you know, the yoga pioneers, not from the, just the lineages, but also have expanded out of the box and studied with people who are more on the forefront of kinesiology and biomechanics. I think it is important. Um, and specifically because if you consider the context of even the lineages, these poses came from, they were made up, right? They, <laughs> They came, I mean, like the theory is that Chaturanga and all that came from, um, you know, Krishnamacharya or whoever he learned it from watching Indian soldiers do burpees in India. Yeah. Right. So, um, great. So let's, let's implement a little bit of biomechanics around it now and, uh, and save people from having the kind of injuries that I did. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you you're so much so for welcome. what you're doing. <laughs> I'll add the link to my website so that you guys can check out the book. I will also add more information if you guys are in San Diego so that you can check out Laura's classes and her studio here in Del Mar. And thank you so much for listening and thank you for being here, Laura. Thanks for having me.